Our scripture reading, I'm going to have two scripture readings. It will be from the book of Matthew and from the book of John. I'll start first with Matthew chapter 2, and then I'm going to read. It's a long passage from verse 1 to verse 12, and thereafter I'm going to read John chapter 3, verse 16. Now read the New King James Version Bible. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, the Bible doesn't say that there were three. Okay? It just said wise men from the east. And I don't know why we sing the songs, three wise men, three wise men. These wise men, when you read about them in the Old Testament, these were men of great worth, men of great achievements. And when they traveled, they used to travel in what was called then caravans. Not the caravan that you hook up to your car and drag, but caravans was just an entourage of people. In one caravan, there could be about 20 to 50 people who would go in one caravan. Given who these men were of great wealth, It seems like these men had followed the star of Jesus for many years. So you've got to be somebody really of great wealth to be able to travel for years and not run out of your resources. And not only travel by yourself, travel in a group. And the Bible says they were wise men from the East. When you read the Bible, men of the East, somehow in Bible days, they were men of great wealth and men of great achievement. One of them is Job. He was a man of the East. Anyhow, let me not go there. Verse 2. They were saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the East, and we have come to worship him. So the reason they came was to worship him. Even if they followed the star, when they met him, they stopped following the star, and they followed him. There are times when God uses people to bring us to himself. But after we have met him, we do not follow the star. Then verse 3 says, And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophets. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appears. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, Bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. We know that Herod was lying. Because as you read further, I believe it's round about verse 16. When the wise men didn't go back to Herod, he went out to go and kill all the children from two years down. And when you read in verse 16, then you know that when the wise men came to Jesus, they really didn't come to him as a baby, or rather they didn't come to him on his first day. The Bible doesn't say they came to the manger. I don't know where we got that from. 
When you read, you know that probably Jesus, it had been a while since he was born. We don't know. It could have been days. It could have been months. We don't know. That's why when Herod inquired, based on the answer that the wise men gave him, when he killed the children, he killed from two years down. So we don't know how old Jesus was. But certainly he wasn't in a manger. I can see some of you are already worried. So number one, there were not three wise men. Number two, they didn't go to him in a manger. But they came to him. Verse 9. And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. See, when you come before Jesus, you've got to rejoice with exceeding great joy. Yeah, I tell you. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down. Somebody say fell down. Say it again. Say it again. They fell down and did what? They fell down and did what? This shows you that this was not rehearsed. This was an action of the heart. I said earlier, no one can teach you how to worship God. It depends on the worth that you place on him. When they saw him, they fell down. This, these are men of great achievement. These are men of pomp and prestige. These are men who are well respected in society. And given the culture of the day, these are men who even their attire, what they wore, they wore these long dresses like attires that when you wore this dress, you were not supposed to run. You were not supposed to take any action that was abrupt. You were supposed to be great, graceful and calculated in all your efforts. But when they met him, they forgot all about their, their attire. They forgot about their Louis Vuitton and they fell down and they worshipped him. And so when we come into his presence, it doesn't matter what we have on, we fall down and we worship. Falling down suggests intensity. Falling down suggests passion. Falling down suggests you are not trying to be dignified. Falling down means it's an action of the heart. And when they fell down, not what they did, they worshipped him. Somebody say they worshipped him. And then after worshiping, they opened their treasures and they presented him with gold, frankincense, and mirror. I think we assume because the gifts mentioned here seems to be three gifts, even if that is also under dispute. But it seems like it was three gifts. So we conclude that it was three wise men. Well, it wasn't three wise men. Look at it and say it wasn't three wise men. Tell them, be wise, it wasn't three wise men. Then they presented to him gold. Somebody say gold. gold. Frankincense. Somebody say frankincense. And this one, I don't know, mirror or meh, whatever you call it. Say whatever you want to say, meh or mirror. Some of, some of you use lingati nimbus in it, meh. Verse 12, then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Somebody say another way. There's no way you can meet Jesus and go back the same way you came. There's no way you can encounter him through falling down and through worship and still remain the same. Can I hear an amen in the house? And so when this happened, ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus was born, it was a historical act that changed the course of our world forever. The world has never been the same since the time Jesus was born. 
When Jesus was born, it was, it was to set a new stage altogether, a new world altogether. And so we see these wise men, they present these three gifts. One of them is gold. It looks like these white men had an insight as to who Jesus was. And all these gifts that they presented, they were recognizing who he was, and they did all these prophetic acts. Number one, they presented gold. Gold speaks of divinity or kinship. They noticed that Jesus is a divine being. They noticed that this boy, this child, is a son of God, but he's also God the son. They noticed that this child is 100% man and 100% God. So they, they present God to say, we recognize your eternity as an eternal being. We recognize you as the king who reigns supreme. We see you, even if you're a baby, that you are the king of kings and the lord of lords. Secondly, they presented to him frankincense. Frankincense was used by priests when they came into to worship God. This is what they used to offer. Only priests were to handle this frankincense. So frankincense speaks of priesthood. They are saying, not only do we recognize you as God the Son and the Son of God, we recognize you as our only priest. The Bible says we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. And he is a perfect high priest who is a go-between between us and God. He came into the world to make us understand who God was and he came between heaven and earth to represent our cases before God. Only priests were anointed with this oil wherein there was frankincense and they are saying to Jesus, we recognize you as a priest. Wait a minute, I'll show you in a while. And then they gave him meh or mirror, however you want to say it. When Jesus died on the cross, he was given vinegar that was mixed with mirror. This symbolized his death. So already in this particular instance, they are saying, we recognize your divinity, we recognize your priesthood, but we also recognize that you're going to die on the cross. We recognize that you've come to die for our sins. So Jesus was God's best gift to the world. John 3:16, our second verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I believe this verse is one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. In fact, it's one of those verses that is loved by people all over the world. I remember as a child, we used to recite this verse in Sunday school. We call it children's church. I believe if Satan had a way to take one verse out of the Bible, it would be this verse. He would remove this verse and make it to be erased from people's memories and from the Bible. There are only 25 words in this verse in the King James Bible. Yet, no other single verse in all the scriptures has been blessed as this verse. No one scripture in the Bible has seen so many people's lives change like this verse. I remember on the 5th of August, 1978, when I was listening to the preaching of the word, with all the other verses that were read, it was this verse that struck my heart. To hear that a loving God could love a sinful person like me. And in his love, not only did he love, he demonstrated his love by sending his own begotten son. Can I hear an amen? And so John 3.16 is the greatest story ever told. 
It explains even more to us what we read about Jesus in the book of Matthew. Martin Luther, one of the greatest uh, preachers that we know and writers, calls John 3.16 the miniature gospel. In fact, John 3.16 has been called by many the gospel in a nutshell. It's been called by some a love letter from God written in blood and addressed to all of us. If ever there was a verse that makes hell tremble, it is John 3.16. If there's ever a verse that on Christmas Day we, we, we remember and we want to remind ourselves of, of, of the birth of Christ, it is John 3.16. If there was ever a verse that has lightened the path of many and made heaven the home of many, and brought multitudes into heaven. It is John 3.16. Let us recite it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's break down that verse. Let's start first of all with the phrase for God. That expression is a very interesting expression because it's very similar to Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God. So John 3.16 begins with God, for God. In other words, it begins with the existence of God. We are taking the existence of God for granted. We are not disputing if God is or if God is there. We are saying God is there. There's no need for us to try and prove or argue God's existence for God. See, Psalms 14 verse 1 says, Only a fool would think in his heart there is no God. Why? Because there could never be a creation without a creator. And all things begin with God. So this verse tells us that it is God who was there in the beginning. But also it tells us it is God who started it all for God. See, whatever we're going to read, it didn't start with you. It didn't start with the church. It started with God. In fact, when Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, he says, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. In other words, it is God who take the initiative. It was God who came to us. It was God who found us. For God so loved the world. It all began with God. This love relationship, it was God who proposed first. This love relationship, it was God who looked at you and said, I can feel my heart skipping a bit. I love you so, sister. I love you so, brother. This verse begins with God. It was God who said, I will set aside all my righteous requirements. I will not come with judgment. I will not come with punishment. I will come with love. It is God who says, when I look at you, I see you as valuable and precious. It is God who says, when I look at you, it is God when he says, when I look at you, I feel my heart palpitate. We love for you, for God. I wonder, the day we stand before God, for those people who will not have received Christ, a Savior and Lord, what answer will they have to God? We cannot say, God, you didn't come to me. 
We cannot say, God, you didn't take a step towards me. God will say, I took that step. Somebody say, for God. Tell your neighbor, for God. Tell your other neighbor, for God. It says, for God, number two, so loved. In the first session, we read 1 Corinthians 13. Dr. Matolo was reading what love is. What is love? My goodness. It's amazing that this word love occurs 56 times in the book of John. Love. What a word. Songs are written about love. In fact, some people even wonder what love is. They want you to show them love. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what Okay, that's it. The dictionary says that love is to have a feeling, affection, a regard for, to be strongly attached to, attracted towards, to hold dear. There are synonyms for love, like affection, charity, devotion, fondness, liking, passion. But I want to know, I want you to know, all these definitions, nice as they are, they are weak when it comes to talking about how much God loved us. See, there are four kinds of love that we read about in the Bible. It's the phileo love, the stoge love, the eros love, and the agape love. And the love used in John 3.16 is the agape love. The reason for that is that the phileo love, the stoge love, the eros love, is a love based on feelings. This is what the world calls love. You gotta feel a tingle down your spine. Your heart must skip a bit. You must faint when you see him. You must go into a coma when you see her. That's what the world calls love. When they talk to you and say, hey baby, you must be so awestruck that you can, hey putty. But we know when we read the Bible, that kind of love can become shallow. For we see many who could never be apart from one another when they start disliking each other. These are the people who used to make you uncomfortable when they were sitting next to you in the train. They were hugging each other and kissing right next to you. And then the following day, they're not even talking to each other. That kind of love is very shallow. It's very cheap. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you're not one of those. But this love is an agape love. And note what the Bible says. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not only does it say God loved us, it says God so loved us. In other words, this describes a love that is uncaused. It's a love that is uninfluenced. It's a love that is spontaneous. It's a love that is sovereign. God so loved you. He loved you not because you did anything. He loved you not because anyone influenced him. He loved you just spontaneously. He loved you sovereignly. It's a love which is awakened by a sense of value in the object that you loved. And it's a love that causes the one to put a price that is a high price upon the object that's loved. God loved you. God prizes you above any other possession. 
God priced you so high that he felt he can give his only begotten son for you. God priced you so hard that he said, I'm going to reserve all my judgment. I'm going to reserve all my punishment. I'm going to reserve everything that I am as God. And I'm going to take a step and I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to take a chance on them. I'm going to give my son on their behalf. Even if they don't believe on him, it's still fine. I still love them too much to give them my son. Can I hear an amen in the house? You can never sin in love for this love. You can never commit too many wrongs for this love not to be able to reach you. You can never be so far that this love can never touch you. You can never be so forgotten that this love never thinks about you. It doesn't matter what your mother says about you, what your father says about you. If they don't like you, if they threw you in the dustbin, this love will reach you. It doesn't matter what society says about you, this love reaches you. God so loved you. God so loved you, Spangela. God so loved you, Musa. God so loved you, Patience. God so loved you, Ezekiel. God so loved you, Jeremiah. God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. And God prized you so much. The mind of man can never grasp this love. And so God tries to describe it in Daniel chapter 7. And he says, God loved you because he loved you. In Jeremiah 31 verse 3, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. It's a love that is everlasting. It's a love that is unending. It's a love that is undeserved. It's a love that is unmerited. It's a love that is infinite. It's a love that is limitless. God so loved. But this God so loved the world. Wow. This expression of the world is found 77 times in the book of John. It's referring to the people of the world, regardless who they are. You see, sometimes as church people, we kind of think maybe God loves us more than he loves other people. We kind of think maybe God should do more for me because look how faithful I am. I go to church, I tithe. I do my Jews. But this verse says God loved the world. Is referring to people of the world. No matter how great they are, every human being is loved by this love. No one in this world could possibly be outside of the circle of this love. In other words, God has found it possible with his great heart of love to love every individual in the entire world. We know that there are some people who are very good people in this world. I don't know if you've met them. There are some people who are very good people. They're nice people. How many of you are sitting next to somebody who's an animalimu? Like one pastor said and said to me, you know, people always come up to me and they say to me, My my wife Imvu. Imvu Imvu. And I said, I, I wish Benazimvu in Yenza and Masekai. How many of you are sitting next to Imvu? <laughs> But, you know, even the nicest people in the world, their love is not large enough to love everyone. Even if we mvu, mvu, there are certain people that you mvu love cannot be able to accommodate. It doesn't matter how good you are, it's very difficult to love them. But not so with God. God loves the Jews and the Gentiles alike. 
God loves the African, the Chinese, the Arab, the American alike. God loves the black people, the white people, the red people, the yellow people, whatever shade. God loves the Baptists, the Methodists, the Presbyterians, the Catholics, the Grace Bible churches. God loves the fundamentalists, the liberals, the communists, the socialists. God loves the preachers, the murderers, the gamblers. God loves all people. Ah, we used to sing in that song. His love he, 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 he is so high. You can go. It's so. You can go. It's so. You can go. Oh, wonderful. Some of you, you don't even know the song. Just look at it and say, it's so. You can do what? You can. It's so. Yes, you can. It's so. Yeah, you can go. Hey. Utando lungaga lunga Utando lungaga Utando lunga Luga chesolu Luga chesolu Luga chesolu Luga chesolu God loves all people. If you are here today and you've done so much wrong and you sneaked into this place and you thought, if I can just go to a place of worship but you are hiding somewhere, I want you to know you don't need to hide anymore. There's a love that comes from God. A love that comes from God. His love excludes no one. God loves you, people of the world. God loves every person of the world. But the world unfortunately knows very little about this love. And so people run from God. And people don't want to come to God. And every time we ask them, come to God. Every time we remind them, Jesus was born to die for your sins finally. Jesus was born for you to be reconciled with God. People think about all the wrongs, but God is saying, I have paid the cost 
by sending my son to die for you. And he has come into the world to save you. I read a story. It's a true story that I want to quote. The earthquake that took place in Japan in 2011. True story. When this earthquake happened, many people died and this lady, this woman, was with her baby. And in this house they were in, as she noticed what was happening, and the house came down and fell on them, somehow this woman managed to get on top of the child to protect the child. And somehow she just managed, somehow, to make a note for the child because she had sustained such bad injuries that it was clear that by the time the rescuers found her, she'd be dead. But this child is too young to understand that. And she wrote a note and said, My child, I want you to know, on such and such a day, an earthquake came. And as the house was crumbling in, I protected you. By the time you get to know and hear and understand this, I will be long gone. Even if you've never seen me, you may never have known me, but I want you to know that you had a mother who loved you so dearly. The rescuers, when they finally got to this woman, they were so touched by this story, and it was published in 2011. I don't know how much you remember. It's a true story. That story is such a moving story. But as great as it is, it can never match the love that God has for you. Can never. But God is saying to you, I love you. I'll forgive you for every wrong, for every sin. For God to say, I take the step and I pronounce you not guilty. But that verse says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, whosoever, whoever you are, whatever your background is, whatever your age, whatever you've done, if you'll just believe in him, it says, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I want to give you an opportunity right now to invite Christ in your life. And those of you watching by television, wherever you are, as we remember the birth of Jesus Christ more than 2,000 years ago, right where you are, no matter what you've done, God wants to forgive you. God wants to change your life. I'm going to ask you to join these other people who are going to be receiving Christ that you take the same step as well and invite Christ in your life. Would you bow your heads, please? Utandolu kababam lunje golwa lebo lubanzilu Do you say, Kahi?
Jesus. Love. Love.